The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to our all 32 series of the Pick 6 podcast. Will Brinson and Katie Mox here. This is the series where we catch up with insiders to give you the need-to-know information on every NFL team. Today, we welcome in Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN and ESPN radio host Courtney Cronin to talk all things Da Bears. Courtney, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, uh, and also uh, around the around the horn panelist, you uh, you pop yes. up on on the TV. Is there anything better than being on television in the five to seven p.m. hour? Because like all your other friends, all your friends are out drinking. And obviously, like around the horn, you record earlier, but like you always get these texts. They're like, "Dude, you're on TV at the bar," and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, no." It's, I mean, that, to me, that's my favorite part about being like that's you know, the happy hour time slot. Yeah. And- to my knowledge, that time slot has not changed since PTI and Around the Horn, like the invention of both shows back in like the early 2000s. So it's been the same two shows for 20 some years. And it's wild because like I remember being in places where I'd see it pop up, like, you know, in a bar, a restaurant. And it's it's we replay a lot late at night, too. I get like some really weird like late mm. night texts of like. Like why are you watching? Why are you watching us on ESPN News right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are, What are you What are you doing that you're watching around the horn on ESPN News? Exactly. Uh, I mean, sadly, I have to admit that uh, I remember seeing the very first episode of PTI when it when it when it debuted wow. when I was in college, which is again sad and depressing. Let's move on to more exciting things like the <laughs> Chicago Bears and the optimism surrounding this football team. Um, Bears fans are a gnarly bunch of. Uh, like yes. uh, salt monsters. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they like, if you, I, I can't remember, I think it was bears fans insulted my child's haircut because I predicted oh, that they would, God. it's fine. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's really? not great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I say no, no, but if you're nice to, if you're if bear, it's like any NFL team, if you're, if you're, if you're thrilled about their team, they're like, yeah, this guy's the best. And if you're like this, these, they might go seven to 10. They accuse you of being like, you know, a, a horrible person. There's very good reason for optimism around this Bears team, though, considering what they did this offseason. 
I think the biggest key is probably the offensive line. Do you think that adding Darnell Wright and Nate Davis right in the draft, of course, and then Davis in free agency, is that enough? Have they done enough to warrant the optimism surrounding one of what was one of the worst offensive line units under Ryan Pace and now has gotten better under Ryan Poles? By, by the way, for your job, uh, Matt and Matt and Ryan to Matt and Ryan, what I mean, yeah. come on, guys, like hire somebody else. <laughs> they, they didn't have to do much to change the nameplates on their scrub offense. the second half of the yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was very economical, move. <laughs> but. You're right about the offensive line, and I thought about this as we wrapped up minicamp this week. This is the first time of any NFL team, maybe dating back to 2016 when I covered the Raiders, like they had one of the best offensive lines in football that year. But every other year, it's like, man, this mishmash group of guys up front, and they're testing players out. They're cross-training guys at different positions, and it's the whole like cliche musical chairs that you see up front. We know the starting five, the projected starting five left to right has been the same throughout the offseason. It hasn't changed. Braxton Jones is still holding down the left tackle spot. Tevin Jenkins was moved, you know, immediately when they signed Nate Davis from right to left guard. So he's at left guard. Cody Whitehair remains with this team. He's going back to center. He has not taken any reps, you know, anywhere else. And then Nate Davis and Darnell Wright. Like, you don't draft a guy 10th overall and expect to have to work him in or whatever. Like, this is a pick that they made knowing that's a very important spot on the offensive line, the two bookends that you have to have for pass protection. And I'll say this about the O-line. Like, it was one of the worst in football last year. And, And before that, you know, the year that Fields was sacked, again, like leading the league in 2021, not a great unit. But... Some of it is on him too. Like he holds on, like his fatal flaw coming out of college that a lot of people talked about in the draft process is, you know, waiting, you know, waiting too long and time in the pocket too long, time to throw, time before throwing too long. Like he's got to get better with his release on that. But you put guys in front of him where he's comfortable. He's not worried about somebody turning into a turnstile because of whoever they're going up against on the defensive line. That's a good sign. And it's a great sign for this team that. More or less, this is solved. This isn't like the position battle to watch because I know over the next couple of weeks we'll be writing articles about like biggest position battles, what's up for grabs. The starting five, barring injury, is set. And that's a very big rarity, at least for me. It it might not be solved, but it's set. And that's something different for the Bears, right? Yeah, that is. And they've made upgrades. I mean, very clearly the two spots on the right side of the offensive line were were a necessity. Riley Reef was kind of a godsend for this team last year. They pick him up right before training camp and he ends up, you know, becoming their starting right tackle and they, you know, Alex Leatherwood didn't pan out there when they claimed him off waivers. Larry Borum didn't pan out there. So upgrading that spot and maybe they end up moving Darnell right eventually, but they're not overthinking it. Like he was a right tackle in college. He's going to be a right tackle in the NFL. Yep. Same thing with Nate Davis, not moving him out of his position. The only player playing out of position is Tevin Jenkins, and he was really good taking a weird situation last year, getting moved from left tackle to right guard in a matter of like like you know an eight week span. Um, the the rumors about him you know being on the trading block, the team shopping him, and then all of a sudden it works out. And they're like, man, you're really good at guard. Let's see how you do at the left side. I think it's all working out the way that they expect they would hoped. 
it would um, in turning a unit that really struggled uh, at points last year into one that's projected to be a lot better than 2022. Well, that leads me to my next question, because you talk about how they beefed up the O-line and there's a lot of optimism there. They've got Fields some help in terms of pass catchers, specifically DJ Moore. What is the ceiling, do you think, as far as a passer for Fields this season? Hopefully more than 130 and like 0.5 yards per game. They were (laughs) really low bar. And I know I kind of say that like with a little sarcasm in it, but you can't be any worse than the worst uh, passing offense yeah. like up from a year ago. A lot of that had to do with who he was throwing the ball to. By the time the season was over, Darnell Mooney was on IR because he broke his ankle week 12. You know, Chase Claypool did not pan out last year. They traded for him because they projected out what is free agency going to look like in 2023? Pretty bleak. So they knew the way they had to go about beefing up their receiving core was to go pluck somebody off of somebody's team and give up high draft capital to do it. They did it with Chase Claypool. Now they're doing it with DJ Moore. And the group looks a lot different. But last year, they were just trying to piecemeal together a group and then figure out, okay, who can do what? Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, I talked to him you know, a couple weeks ago just about like, what does the state of this room look like? And I thought it was kind of telling where he said, not only do you have like more established guys, you have guys like you're not guessing what their roles are. Like, you know who your number one is. You know that Mooney's probably going to be really effective when you put him back in the slot. Yeah. Chase Claypool still has to get on the field. He was he missed most of the offseason program because he's dealing with some like sounds like a multitude of things, according to Matt Eberflus. But mm-hmm. he like whether it's soft tissue, whether it's something else, it's it's something to keep an eye on. But I think if you're Justin Fields, you're confident now that you can work towards getting to the place where you can throw guys open. You can throw to a spot and expect that your receiver is going to get there. And what we saw in in minicamp and in OTAs is that DJ Moore is a bright spot on this offense, something that they have not had. And it was funny because by the time he was traded to Chicago Bears, like his receiving yard numbers were among like the best of the Bears would have ever had <laughs> like the third highest all time, like Chicago yeah. Bears receiver or something. Yeah. And I think back to that Musha Muhammad quote from like years ago, where he said, Chicago's where receivers go to die. And I don't know if either of these two were free agents, if the bears would have been the place that they expected to go um, or wanted to go because of that. I mean, it is notoriously, it's been a defense defensive uh, first mindset in the city. And then of course the running game, they were the most dominant rushing offense last year. A lot of those contributions came from the quarterback. They're trying to change things. They're trying to make Justin Fields into a passing quarterback, which he was in college. People forget right. about that. He like he won from the pocket a lot in college. I mean, you're playing, with a team of NFL players at Ohio state. It's a lot different than some of the competition you're going up against. Now, when you do it every single week as a pro, like there's challenges to that, but we've seen an added emphasis. Matt Eberflus called it the theme of the off season with the deep passing game, but they've taken a lot of deep shots and some of them fell incomplete. Some of them were completed. And when you get a chance to just like try things out right now to see what works, it shows you like they are a much, um, you know, much further along than they were this time last year, just trying to figure out what their receiving core was going to look like. Okay. So, I mean, I thought you were like, I mean, I didn't think you were kidding. Like I figured he would be like in the top five or something like that. <laughs> he would actually be the current Chicago bears. Here are the top five bears receiving leaders all time in franchise history. This is 
Yeah. Cripplingly depressing. Johnny Morris, number one, 5,059 yards. Number two, Harlan Hill, who started his career in 1954. Johnny Morris, 1958, of course. 4,616 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, Walter Payton, and Mike Ditka. DJ Morris, 5,201 yards. He would be number one by a mile. That is outrageous. Um, It speaks to like the larger thing of this team. And hopefully, you know, for their sake, with what Ryan Poles is planning to do, like, I went back and looked at the history of it and and I in that in that Musha Muhammad quote like really sticks out because remember when Greg Olson was here, like they traded yeah. him right at the time where it's like, man, this guy's gonna be a you know a pillar of this franchise. Like to help push the Panthers to the Super Bowl, getting yeah, him in there. Yeah. They've they've never gotten it right at that position. And now's the time to change. Like you can't just continue to adapt when you know people in your division have multiple thousand look at minnesota they have multiple thousand yard receivers every season they have the best receiver in the nfl right now like you got to keep pace there and that's why like when they traded for the number one pick like getting dj Moore in that package was so pivotal because they weren't going to be able to get that sort of caliber player in free agency how's the what was sort of the vibe with dj Moore and justin fields in terms of their rapport during minicamp did you did you get actually you know i'll tell you what let's take a quick break and when we come back I'll ask you that very same question next. (laughs) Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so what what was the rapport like for DJ Moore and Justin Fields in minicamp? Because I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. like Chase Clay, look, the Chase Claypool. When you frame it the way you did, Courtney, I thought I think that's really interesting. Is like they knew the free agency was going to stink. They weren't sure about what you would see in the draft, and, and they were correct. Like there weren't a lot of alpha receivers in the draft. It was mostly slot guys. Uh, DJ Moore is a, is a number one. I mean, not an elite one, but but a number one. The Claypool trade was a disaster given where they ended up picking in the second round. But I think if you if you want to be fair about it, if you add the Moore and Claypool stuff together, it probably ends up pretty well. Moore's got to be great with Fields, though, for this trade to pan off. Yeah, he does. And that is what we're all focused on. Like, what does that connection look like? So first time we saw them practice was Mar- uh, May 23rd in DJ Talk that day. And he was kind of, you know, he didn't want to put massive expectations on it. He called their, like, connection on the field a work in progress. And then yeah. I asked him, like, well, how long do you expect that to – you know, when they say like receiver and quarterback tandems on the same page and everybody's clicking, like how long does that actually take when you're in a brand new system? And he said, you try to get through OTAs and then by mini camp, you feel, okay, we're rolling a little bit. You take the break, you come back for training camp. And then it's about two to three days. And you're like, all right, we're up to speed. 
I left minicamp with the impression that, of course, up and down for the offense, it always is. But you can't say that because Bears fans will freak out. I think most franchises will. <laughs> when you don't have yeah. like a veteran established quarterback who has got it figured out. I mean, this is Field's second year in this offense, but he, we, we still need to see him make the strides as a passer before you put any sort of, you know, bow on it. But with him and DJ Moore, the deep shots, I mean, I can remember two days ago, there was um, they, they were in uh, 11 on 11 and this tight window throw that he made down the sideline that DJ Moore like caught over his shoulder when he was flanked by uh, Jalen Johnson and Elijah Hicks. Wow. Those are the moments like that. That's the stuff that you bring him here for. And he's going to be the deep ball threat. He has vertical speed that is kind of unmatched with this roster. Like they didn't have that chase Claypool was supposed to be that guy last year to a degree, but he just never really caught on. And with more, everybody I've talked to said that like the way you see him run, that's not his fastest. Like he hasn't, which is great because he has another gear he can tap into to try to get, you know, to create more separation between himself and the DB. And it's kind of like deceptively quick. Um, so all of that said, I asked Justin Fields about this yesterday. Did the chemistry come along quicker for you guys than you might have thought? Because to our eye, it looks like, all right, that's a well-oiled machine right now. Of, of course, it can get better. But I don't know if we all expected it by, you know, June 6th, June 15th when they ended that it would look like that. And he said, yeah, it did come along quickly. He doesn't try to put expectations on, all right, by this date, we need to be here because every receiver is different. But DJ Moore had eight quarterbacks throwing him the ball in Carolina. I think he knows a thing or two about adjusting to different cadences, having to run the right route depth, um, you know, based on how a quarterback likes to make a throw and certain plays. He's a really seasoned vet in every sense of the word, six years in doing this, a lot of different quarterbacks. And now it's good for both parties. It's win-win. He gets a quarterback. He knows is going to be his quarterback the entire season and fields get somebody he knows is capable of making the plays, winning the 50, 50 ball, stretching the field vertically that he didn't have in his receiving core last year. Let's talk about, you know, the future of the bears this year and look at some of their uh, things that you could bet on actually. So odds to win division plus three fifty. their win total is set to seven and a half. No more Aaron Rodgers in the division. How well Courtney, do you think that the bears can do? I would say that the floor, the absolute floor for this team should be seven wins. Like you wow. take okay. like that, like in, but like the ceiling, it's not that much higher. Like nine, nine would be like unbelievable success for a team <laughs> that was three and 14 last year. They still have a ways to go. Ryan Poles was very transparent about that. I remember the day we had our free agency press conference when all the guys came in and he talked about the signings. He said, you, 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 want, you, can't, you can't get everything solved in one offseason and that there are going to be holes on this roster. Like he's telling you yeah. that it's not going to be, wow, Cincinnati Bengals of 2021. That's not going to happen. Like, and that's okay. Because if yeah. you're building something the right way and sustaining, trying to build sustained success, it's a good spot to be in. Um, given like how many resources they have now, what they can utilize next year. Remember, they have that extra first round pick. That is very valuable currency for next year. They've got the extra second round pick in 2025. They're doing this 
slow, deliberate, but in a, I, I think a really smart way to rebuild. I mean, you look at how other teams, especially the Minnesota Vikings team, I used to be really close with because I covered them. What are they right now? This whole competitive yeah. rebuild thing seems like, man, should you have maybe done this a year ago? But I... I go that direction with like my like win loss prediction and thinking, okay, the floor should be seven wins because seven, so yeah, seven wins. And then like, I would say like the max, like I think they're an eight win team. I think, well, I mean, you're, yeah. you, if you, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but like you're spot on with Vegas. Caesars has it at yeah. over seven and a half minus yeah. 135, which is basically saying we think this team is going eight and nine. Like that's a tight window, but I mean, that does, and it, it could, you know, they could win five games, they could win 10 games. It's a weird division, it's a weird NFC, but I, I, I mean, do, do you think it would be, would it be bad for them to win nine or 10 games? I know that sounds stupid, you know what I mean? But it's so like, I, I, get, I get the question because it's like you still want, I mean, they have to show improvement because if they have like a four or five win season, it's like, man, there's probably questions with the quarterback that yeah. you're not, it's, it, it, you're probably, I wouldn't say punting on Justin Fields, but it's, man, you, you haven't had the sort of jump that you expected from him. Although the caveat there is that they have that extra first round pick. So maybe they're in play for a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, who yeah. knows? But like when I look at their schedule, I think, you know, opening up against this is the first time like since the early 1990s, they're going to see somebody else other than Brett Favre, or Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. for them yeah. to be at home, the America's Game of the Week time, time spot on week in week one against the Green Bay Packers, like there's a shift happening in the NFC North. Like we don't Detroit may for, you know, go win the division, which is wild to think about, but. I think the Bears can make up some ground with some of these division games, especially with Green Bay. I don't think – I'm maybe in the minority. I don't think Green Bay is going to fall off of a cliff. I mean, look how many first-rounders they still have on their defense. I yeah. think that they're still a pretty decent team. But, like, you look at the rest of their schedule. Like, Tampa Bay, like, they feel like they're kind of headed – I mean, they're in a rebuild right now. And, and yep, who, yes. Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, do either of those players, like, put the fear of God in you if you're a defensive coordinator? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Denver, how are they going to look with Russell Wilson now in, in year two, but also with Sean Payton? But then you have some other games. I'm not saying anything's a gimme, but Carolina is a team that's still, that's, you know, with a brand new quarterback that's trying to, to push forward. And they were, you know, one game shy of making the playoffs. But what do they look like this year? You have Cleveland in there. You have an, like Arizona and, and Atlanta should be the ones that if you're like betting on this, like, okay, go ahead and like pick the Bears on that. But I go through the schedule and I think, I see a minimum of seven wins here, but realistically when I'm picking, I'm like, I would probably say eight and nine. And I think eight and nine is a safe yeah. territory for this team to be in, just given they're still building towards this. It's not at all a finished product as evidenced by, you know, the, the, the inability to get after the quarterback uh, from the edge position. They still have, you know, a hole there. Will they fill it? Will they not is kind of what we're looking towards this off season. And then, you know, how does Fields perform this year now that he's not learning a brand new offense and trying to, you know, get it down pat? They've added around him in a lot of different ways. That backfield competition is going to be really intriguing to watch because of the Roshan Johnson addition. And then, of course, uh, they had Deontay Foreman in this offseason and Khalil Herbert before David Montgomery, you know, was, you know, even going back to last year, we didn't know if he's going to stay. It's not like it's like, all right, Herbert's here. Like he's next in line. But they have all these pieces around fields that I think if all goes according to plan, you're going to see this offense take a pretty significant step. 
Now, will it be a step that like leads them to win the division? I don't think so. But I think staying competitive and kind of like in the mix and not like at the bottom of the NFL competing for the number one draft pick again, that's a better spot that they want to be in. Well, it seems like we're taking the over seven and a half on the Bears win total at this point. But if this offense does take the step that you've talked about here, you got Justin Fields, MVP, plus 2,500, Offensive Player of the Year, plus 2,200. And then you got Eberflus for Coach of the Year, plus 1,300. That's top three behind only Sean Payton and Dan Campbell. Any of those in the realm of possibilities for maybe a long shot? The Fields one, and I know that there have been some people like touting him as an MVP. I'm sorry. I just take a look at like the AFC and what the quarterbacks yeah. look like over there. That's if I was betting on that, I'd probably put say that's the safe money. But Matt Eberflus, yeah. though, is a coach of the year candidate. I, I I could see it if they make that big jump because there is a lot that goes into that from a defensive side too. Remember. Like he, he was a defensive coordinator in Indianapolis and they got run out of the building in several games, you know, last season. Like it's been, they won three games in 2022. And I actually have this stat here that I wanted to pull up because you just take a look at like, I remember like the Detroit game was awful. The Minnesota game was not great at the end of the year and the amount of yards that they gave up. Like they've given up 4,080 yards and 331 points since this team last won, which was that Monday night football game in, uh, in week in New England. Yeah. yeah. In New England. Um, yeah. But, they, but they added a bunch of off ball linebackers, which I actually think is maybe good for Matty Rufus' scheme. Like that's sort of what it's an important role, uh, yeah. how they utilize Tremaine Edmonds and, uh, TJ Edwards. Like you kind of got two for the price of Roquan. That's how I looked at that because they did not want to make him the highest paid off ball linebacker, but they still spent a lot in free yeah. agency at the position. So, you know, the off ball linebacker, the three technique, and then corners, those are the most important positions like in this defense. They still have like, you know, some holes up front with the pass rush because they really struggled like last in sacks, last in pressuring, uh, you know, pressure percentage on quarterbacks. It's, it's a, it's, it's a struggle, but this defense has to take a next step because that was there were like games at the end of the year it was just putrid to watch and it's somebody who you know is a former defensive coordinator i'm sure matt eberflus didn't stomach that one really well either absolutely all right courtney thank you so much for your time today you can catch her on espn and espn radio stay tuned for more from our all 32 with daily drops in your podcast feed and on youtube make sure you like comment and subscribe on our youtube page and we will see you next time Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.